What's up and welcome to another episode of Tiger Stock Rugby. I'm Ethan Richards with my constant co-host Beckett. Uh, no CJ today, um, but we do have a wonderful, amazing guest, uh, Nick Colling, who is the assistant GM of Utah Warriors and founder and director of the operations of Collegiate Rugby Shield, uh, which is what we're here to talk about today because it just, you know, happened and, and a lot of stuff coming through. So we're really glad to have you here today. Thanks for come, having me. Um, this is year two on this podcast, so it's gl- I'm glad to be back. To And especially now that we've had two years under our belt since the last one, I'm kind of talk about the, uh, you know, transformation over the past two years of the Collegiate Rugby Shield. For sure. And I know last time we, we talked to you before it happened, so I think when we had talked about, um, like, I contacting you and getting you back on. I know one of the things we want to do is try to catch you after so we could kind of hear about what the experiences were like this year as well. So uh, it's pretty awesome. So we're, yeah, we're glad again, to have you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So um, our first like big thing we wanted to ask was like what your thoughts was on this past season and postseason and, and seeing like an improvement in the quality of play and whatnot at the MLR level and how that kind of plays into what y'all are looking for with the shield. Yeah. um, Big congratulations to the new England free Jacks for winning the championship. Uh, It's now two in a row for the East. So the Western conference kind of has to get back on track uh, after winning the first three. Uh, But no, it it was a good year. You saw a lot of um, positive progress throughout the league uh, on our end, being the Utah Warriors, you saw, for example, we sold out three games at home. Um, another team that also did a similar feat was New England Free Jacks. So you're beginning to see commercially these teams be a little bit more viable in local markets, which, you know, the rugby is important, but for the longevity of the league as a whole, that is even more important is, you know, you get – people in stands, you get people paying attention. Uh, It is, you know, at the end of the day, sports is a business and that is what's going to be able to allow for the MLR to be successful is to have fans in the stands. Um, And I mean, I think one thing that is important is, you know, been watching this past week, not a lot because I've been very busy with the Collegiate Ruby Shield, but um, as much as I can watching the New England Free Jacks go through all their championship celebration stuff. And it's absolutely amazing to see how much the city of Quincy, Massachusetts has really banned behind the New England Free Jacks. Um, there was a poll that was like, where should the Free Jacks have their championship trade? Should it be in Boston or it should it be in Quincy? When I saw that, I was like, no, it should be in Quincy because that is what has made that team so successful commercially. And even past that, like, we can talk commercially and everything, but that also has an impact on the field. When you have a, when you have stands that are completely full, players play off that and stuff like that. So it really is important, um, you know, to highlight the communities that are getting behind these teams. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I did see the the photos from the Quincy parade that was yesterday, and they looked it looked like they had a great turnout and a lot of fun. And I know they had posted on their socials. Um, that over, I think, the next two months or so, they're going to be uh, going throughout the whole New England area to Connecticut and 
uh, New Hampshire and uh, Vermont and so on um, to sort of see all their fans throughout the whole New England area. So that's awesome to see that they're getting involved, not just uh, in Massachusetts, but all those states. Yeah, no. And for example, like we had a player here at the Collegiate Rugby Shield, Keegan Bliss, picked him up at the airport on Sunday evening. And I talked to him and he played for, you know, University of Vermont. He was driving three hours by himself to go to New England Free Jack Academy practices. And eventually now he's got um, this past year, he had a few players from his team that were uh, going with him now. So there was three of them. So they could kind of split that three hours there and then three hours back, seven hours of driving. Um, It's just amazing, like how much, you know, these teams are actually spreading. Like it's not just, you know, Quincy, it is, a lot further, even though like the Quincy fan base is very important. Um, For example, with the Utah Warriors, we have people that are driving from uh, by Idaho Falls um, in Idaho. And that's about a two and a half drive hour drive to Harriman where the Utah Warriors play. So the dedication of fans like that and players that are doing that um, is unbelievable and really makes me feel like you know, the MLR has something special going forward. For sure. I mean, that's something that like, like I'm a Clemson alum and current Clemson student for my master's. And like, it's a four hour drive for me to get to Clemson, but that's like a, a dedication to, you know, a school and a team and whatnot that like I support that I'm willing to make that sort of drive. And so like seeing that same level of commitment to making those longer drives is, I, I think that's pretty huge. That's good for the league for sure. Yeah. I'm excited to see what it, you know, really becomes because I think it is, like I said, something special. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this year was, you know, we saw with the final with the crowd. Um, and it was just a phenomenal match all around. Um, you know, really close back and forth match. I think the quality of play, the quality broadcasting the quality uh, of just the whole product and then the dedication to the fans has been phenomenal. Um, but moving on from, you know, what a great season it was, we want to talk about the shield, of course. So, um, obviously we spoke about it last year, uh, some of the drill skills, the fitness testing, and then the match itself. Um, we wanted to know how compared to last year and this year, has it, um, improved? Has it changed? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, one of the big things is, you know, this isn't being done all by myself. Uh, Brandon mm-hmm. Sparks, the uh, now former GM of the Utah Warriors, um, he is a big part of everything that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, throughout the week, you know, I very much, uh, Brandon probably got annoyed because, you know, I was slowly getting more and more anxiety, making trying to make sure everything was perfect uh, for this week. And he always gave me, like, the... Uh, mentorship advice of like we don't know what we don't know you know you have to be prepared that you know not everything's going to be perfect and there's going to be something and we'll just take care of it at that point and quite frankly like the most you know the only thing that didn't go perfectly was um first day on arrival day it was uh we went to go pick up the vans and uh the rental counter didn't have them quite yet it was a 30 minute delay so that was like the worst thing that happened all day, all week. Um, everything was just picture perfect. The coaches, you know, 
were amazing. Um, we had some great help this year. Obviously, we had Ray Barkwell and Tui Osborne back from last year. But, you know, what was important was getting them some solid help behind them. Um, and that came in the form of uh, now retired MLR player Kirk Coleman, uh, who just retired from Atlanta and uh, one of the most prolific props in the MLR, uh, Chicago Hounds player Charlie Abel. Uh, both of those players really uh, allowed um, Ray and Tui to really have a great practice environment throughout the week. And, you know, I owe a lot to them because they believed that this was something worth doing. Um, so it was really cool to see them come in and kind of prove themselves as coaches and help in such a big way. No, that is that is great. And I think we we've just sort of discussed that before. Um, about one of the things that we we can't wait to see in MLR is as players uh get later into their career or retire, we see them move into more maybe coaching or even perhaps referee roles. So I think that's phenomenal that we see um in this case, guys like Kurt Coleman and uh for Ray Barkwell. I remember when he was in the MLR, um, you know, seeing them getting involved teaching the next play the next crop of players and uh trying to help them raise their skill level to be better than when they were playing professionally yeah and like that is part of our mission at the collegiate rugby shield is this is a holistic you know professional development event uh, we can talk all we want about like players getting drafted that's great you know it is part of the goal is to get these players drafted. But besides that, we provide, you know, professional development workshops throughout the week. Uh, you guys probably know uh, the person that helped us with that in Troy Hall. Um, he came in and did some work with the players. Um, we had a mental performance coach come in and give a little uh, kind of a thing for the players to a little workshop to kind of prepare themselves for um, game day, stuff like that. And then the other side of it is, you know, those coaches, we want them in those that environment because we want them to be able to show what they can do at a high level in front of possible, you know, teams that would be suitors. Uh, and it is uh, this past season, um, it was a case where we had Ian Gibbons uh, be our performance coach for the Collegiate Ruby Shield, and he ended up uh, getting a lot of eyes and attention on him from MLR teams, and he ended up with the Utah Warriors. Uh, so it's stuff like that. And then further, you know, we also heavily want to make sure that referees are involved in this as well. Uh, you probably saw we did a ref kit announcement, which is probably the first ever in the history of rugby because, you know, <laughs> refs don't get that type of stuff. But, yeah. you know, we wanted to make sure that we were giving the referees a good platform to you know, advance to that next level. Uh, Khalil Harrison, who's done a few MLR games, you know, he just needs more game time. And this was an opportunity for him to be in more game time. And, you know, just being in a college game, there's going to be a little bit more uh, lack of discipline with the players. And I think he did a phenomenal job because, you know, it is easy for things to get out of hand um, when you have guys that, are showing up on a Sunday, playing on a Thursday. They don't know each other. You know, they don't really have good systems to be able to put in because you only have three days of practice, those type of things. Like it is hard to play in that 
much of an unstructured uh, thing. And I think Khalil Harrison did a really good job at proving that he is on his way to becoming a really good referee for the MR into the future. Yeah. I love that, that like every step of the game and every aspect of the game is being thought of, especially like, like with this whole process and, and talking on that and, and talking about like, uh, the professional development stuff that you've done and, and like the ref stuff, what, what do you think like your favorite, like skills, drills, like professional development, whatever event, whatever component do you like think is, is your favorite or, or one of the best executed that y'all had? Um, I once like when it comes down to it, I don't think there was like a specific one that really stood out over the others. I think they're all built on top of each other. And that's the thing is throughout the week, um, the week is designed, you know, me and Brandon Sparks, we have been in positions uh, to be selecting these players in the MLR draft in the past. And we've gone and done combine stuff like that. And we wanted to design this as a thing that, kind of gave us more than just physical testing. Um, really, you know, running a 40 meter doesn't show you much. You know, you can be fast, but it doesn't show much past that. And so with that, an important thing with the whole entire event is we invite all these MLR teams to come stay at the hotel with us. We invite them to every single meal we invite them to every single workshop we do. We invite them to all those things. What that does is allows these teams to actually see how these people are in person. Um, when they're in practices, how are they listening to coaches? How are they taking feedback? You know, are they active listening? Are they just kind of uh, there and playing with a ball in their hand? Stuff like that. It's those little tiny things that we um, that teams are looking at that it really doesn't come down to the rugby. Um, I know a lot of kids, you know, they were so excited to play in the game. Um, uh, for example, uh, Marcus Fulala from Central Washington, and he ended up getting an injury in the warm-up. And I took him aside and I said, look, I know you really wanted to play, but you've done the work already. You've proved throughout the week that you are a really good player and you're a really good player player in practice which is what teams actually care about the game you know that's just a cherry on top everybody loves a game um it's cool to see you know you get to see a little bit more but we also have a scrimmage through the week so we've seen you play in a game atmosphere stuff like that so like i said like everything kind of builds on top of everything else and it's a holistic thing um so i don't really have one thing uh that i think is great i think it is you know this overall arcing thing that allows these players to really showcase who they are work um, in their kind of hard work and their work mentality on and off the field. A good answer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like kind of curious when, when we were coming up with this question, I was reading through this uh, and uh, Becca had put this one on here. I was like, I, it's an interesting question. I was like wondering what you were going to give, give back in terms of that but i i really like the idea of like like un, like recognizing that each of the individual components are like really meshed together to create like the full experience and the full like comprehensive you know uh like 
testing essentially of a player and, and a representation of a player. I think that's, that's probably even better than <laughs> what I was expecting. Yeah, no, no it's like there was a player last year that, you know, probably would have went higher in the draft if it wasn't for how they acted, you know, around the hotel and stuff and with staff and, you know, as much as we want to promote players and, you know, wish them well, which we still wish this player very well and stuff. Um, it's just one of those that you also are going to be found out very quickly. You know, yeah. part of the process is to not only identify you, but also judge you. And teams are actually there more to judge you and they're going to be a harsh critic and you got to be ready for that. Um, but at the same time, like, have fun with it too. Um, I, you know, the greatest thing of this whole entire event, uh, and I know it's not going to be tied to exactly, um, you know, one thing we did, but the greatest part of this event was when that game-winning try was scored in the 85th minute and the Canyons team was running out onto the pitch. Like they won, you know, they won a national championship. Like, how does that happen? Like these, this is a exhibition match. It does not matter. You know, I literally pick the teams and I just go through a list and kind of like, okay, you there, you there, you there. Like, I'm just trying to make them equal. It, <laughs> you know, I don't get how they can have that much, you know, you know, feeling towards an excitement towards winning a essential friendly match but it's amazing that it did get to that point and you know i think uh you might have read uh brandon sparks who uh released his uh letter to the fans announcing his resignation and everything um he said like this is storybook like if that is the last moment he enjoys in you know the professional rugby landscape he's fine with it because it was truly storybook to see that camaraderie and even past that, like the other team, you know, they were sad for about 20 seconds and then they were just like, you know, this is just fun. Let's all have fun. So, you know, that was my favorite part is through all this, you know, 50 players become banded together in just a short time. And, you know, Canyons and Peaks, they're two made up names. They don't really mean that much. But the fact that still to this day, there's people from year one that, you know, feel a sense of ownership to that team, um, you know, and now this year there's people that feel an ownership to these very fictional teams because really like they're just made up by me and Brandon. Um, it really is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And well, I guess speaking of, of players, um, we wanted to ask you uh, who felt, who did you feel really, um, stood out that really came in and significantly raised their stock because there's there's several players I was watching or excited to see ahead of this. I think James Rivers, Rick Ross um, from Arizona and State Bonaventure at, at the two locks because I think uh, watching them they have a excellent size and this is something that um, Ethan and I have always talked about is that right now we have a lot of our top choice um, locks for the USA are about 30, 30 or older. So we need to see, we want to see more guys coming through. And these dudes, you know, great size, very physical, great skills. They run lineouts well. 
also, of course, you know, you have Al Jabori and uh, Crusade just because the partially because of their their older brothers, but also just their phenomenal talents out there on the link. So um, amongst the 50 players, uh, who do you feel really put their hand up and just elevated themselves? Obviously, I'm, I'm sure most of them are pretty much all of them did, but like the most. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'll give you like talking with the GMs that were here and everything. It's no secret, like, an American eligible lock is the absolute, like, holy grail in the MLR. Um, I mean, I would even challenge, like, you guys right now, can you even name a U.S. eligible lock that, you know, isn't a Cam Dolan who really is more so an eight, but is decently tall and then slides over to lock? Like, there isn't a true six foot seven, you know, six foot eight, U.S. eligible lock anymore. And so these guys are very, um, being um, James Rivers and Rick Rose, very, very valuable to teams. So I do believe that those individuals, you know, they didn't do themselves any disservice. Um, You know, they will continue to be on the top of all these teams' radars. Um, Some other very, like, people I was impressed with was, for example, Scott Bowers. Um, when I first saw Scott Bauer's highlight tape for this event, it was about six minutes of him just throwing laser beams in at the line out (laughs) who has, and it wasn't like, oh yeah, here's one. And then, you know, we'll see the, the line out strike. No, it was like, it was like one every 10 seconds. And it was just absolute, absolute laser beam after laser beam. Who are, who has that at the college level? And he came in, um, he ended up being the captain for the Peaks, and for good reason. I sat there uh, one of the days they were going through lineouts. Uh, it was Monday, I believe. Yeah, it was It was mon- or, uh, Yeah, Monday, the first day of training. These are, 50, like I, I've said before, these are 50 guys. They are 50 strangers. They've never played together, you know. And in um, – Scott Bauer's case, none have actually, you know, he's the only Canadian, but he was out there commanding and not in a dictatorial way, but more of a, you know, mentor way, commanding the line out in practice on the first day, you know, helping run that. Um, So it was very impressive to see him that Um, another player that, you know, there's two players that really stood out as soon as we got to playing game, uh, playing the game and the scrimmage. Um, those two were Buffalo and Canyons. Abe Turpin, you know, he was one of our last selections. Uh, you know, I when we watched the footage, we're like, you know, there's something there. We'll see. Um, he's a junior. We'll give him a chance. And he showed out and, you know, he was the most popular guy after the scrimmage um, on uh, Tuesday because he just went in there and he was able to, he was had an amazing work rate was able to get over the ball in a very accurate way and he caused a lot of chaos and then the other one would be Clayton Means who ended up being man of the match um, for the Canyons Um, the more I've watched the game over one time um, I keep on seeing you know the highlights that have been posted and the more I watch him like he was just doing everything great he was able to you know that Sebastian Shefferman first try he creates that turnover off the ball after the breakdown still gets the jackal in it's completely clean runs down the sideline 
gets the guy to bite in on the two on one and gives Shefferman basically a jog into the um, try zone from 40 meters. Like he played absolutely phenomenally phenomenal. And he comes from, you know, a program like it is a Lindenwood and that label does bring a lot, but that brings a lot for, you know, the top guys. And so for him to do that in a game and show that, you know, yeah, I might be from Lindenwood, but I was a second stringer. He came in and really proved that, you know, he belongs in the MLR. Um, Those were, you know, three guys that I thought were, you know, particularly good. Honestly, like I could go on and on about each and every one of the players because I do think that there was some really solid things they showed throughout the week. Um, So like this isn't by any means like a diss on any of the other players. These are just three players that were phenomenal this week um, that I really think helped themselves in a very good way. That's awesome. Yeah. I think like, I don't know. I think it's big, like, it's important to, you know, recognize that all of these people are receiving, you know, the praise and, and honor that they all deserve for the effort that they put in, the what they showed as players and what they showed as people. But I think it's also really important to, like, point out those names of people who are going in and, and actually stepping above and beyond their expectation or above and beyond the rise that you're seeing out of people and and watching them shine, I think is really important to point out. So appreciate you putting those words in and, and, and giving praise to those players. Cause I, I know it's really hard to really make those sort of decisions, but it's also really like important to respect that they will, like they do exist and, and that they are important. So one, yeah. one of the things we did also want to ask um, talking about now you've got, year one under your belt, year two under your belt, going into looking to even next year, because obviously like it never stops. <laughs> it's already time to start thinking, if not, it was before, you know, um, what what do you want to see and what would you like to see going into even next year or the year after? What what sort of growth or expansion or understanding of of like these players or these people do you want to bring into these further years? Yeah, so with this, you know, right now um, we are in that. It is like me and Brandon, we walked off the field. And before we even got into the locker room area, it was like, okay, let's start a document and begin um, kind of looking through what needs to be changed, what needs to be tweaked like that. So, yes, we are already in that mode for 2024, uh, planning with everything Right now, I don't think there's one thing that majorly stands out. Um, I think it's really just a tweak of a few things. Uh, may it be, you know, timing of certain stuff, um, having certain events in the combine, um, stuff like that. Uh, really, like, we've got a lot of good praise from MLR teams that were present, which there were quite a few. Um so we'll probably lean on them as well to see what they want to see, because that's the important part is making sure that they see this as something that's very valuable to them, just as much as, you know, um, you know, the players, they need to make sure like it's a mutually exclusive thing without the team support, without, you know, the teams coming in and watch, you know, the players 
have no reason to be there in some capacity. So having the support from them was very key and a big thanks again to Brandon because he really headed that up this year. And that was, you know, his big contribution um, is the MLR had a GM general meeting, annual meeting um, here at the Collegiate Rugby Shield that they were talking about the future of the league, what, you know, new rules to implement, all those type of things. And to have that in conjunction with this, just further, you know, brought those teams in that maybe might have not wanted to come, um, but came and saw something positive. Yeah, I mean, that is awesome that that is, um, you know, a place for the teams to come together and have a meeting like that. And then also, like you talked about, for the players to get that exposure. And I think, you know, um, the, the Collegiate Rugby Shield is amazing, is great, not only because it, it's giving the exposure of the athletes to the teams that are looking at them, trying to find the ne their next players, the next kind of Colin Gross or somebody who had a great year, of course, um, but uh you know exposure to the fans because i know i know we wanted to see we obviously you know we make a mock draft every year trying to figure out as best we can not that we do not that we do a particularly awesome job or anything but and we got um, a few you know, we right try, last year we got, we got some right yeah yeah <laughs> but we we try and you know it's great for 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 us it's great for just the fans to see and like wow this you know i follow this guy a little bit in college rugby but sometimes it's hard to see uh, get a lot of uh, streams in college rugby now i can see more of them and if it's on fs1 which is easy to find uh you know people can can stream it online they um and i believe they offer you a free hour to watch um so that's amazing to to be able to do that and get that kind of exposure for the players and just start very early before they even in the league building them in the eyes of the fans i think yeah that's that is like another thing we want the fans like the only way that the league you know becomes successful is because of the fans the fans do have ownership in this league um their you know their interest does matter to the league and part of that is you know it is hard who you know there's not most fans don't have the ability to watch, um, you know, these players play in college because the games aren't really heavily posted online. They're not, you know, on TV. Uh, they might be able to get them on the rugby network, but then you're only you usually only have a couple uh, year for a team, um, those type of things. So it is hard for, you know, fans to have that same you know, affinity as they do with maybe an NFL draft where, you know, team play, people do seven round mock drafts, which is incredible. Like seven, seven round mock draft where they go through and they're giving their opinion on all these players. That's what we want is like to have that low barrier for the fans to see the next players of the MLR and so that they feel connected in a way to who their teams are drafting. You know, there's the famous Chris Stapps for Zingas being drafted into New York and everybody booed him. Like in a way I want fans to do that. Like I want <laughs> fans to, and it doesn't have to be booze. It can be cheers too, but I want fans to feel that attached to a player in the draft process that they are cheering or booing when their team makes a pick 
And because that means that they are invested in that team, like they are emotionally connected. It's not just the thing that they go in the spring to go see on a Saturday for, you know, eight Saturdays. They are invested in the off season. They're invested in watching the team grow and be better, um, which, you know, that fanaticism is what will make the league successful. For sure. I, I I know like I, I laughed with what you had said, but I, I understand the sentiment and I respect it because like it, it makes sense and it does like have a strength to it where it's it. Yeah, I, I understand the sentiment. I absolutely. Yeah, it's hilarious that it's like how you worded it, but it also it's just like it's true. Like I want I want to have that sort of investment in, in who I'm seeing go to which teams and and celebrate, you know, like. For me, I'm I'm in Charleston, so the closest team for me is Atlanta. So I regularly like am pulling for Atlanta when I watch their games. Like that's who I am rooting for, because um, they're my regional team. And and you know if they get one a little bit closer to me, who knows? Like I could get drawn to a different fan base. But <laughs> but uh, for now, like Atlanta is my team that I root for. So I want to see when when those players come around and and the mock draft happens. I want to see what names are on there and be knowing who they are, what role they're going to fill on the team and, and be excited about that. Or, or feel like, Oh no, like they blundered on the draft pool. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. You want fans to have that. Like, why? It's like, like so-and-so was still on the board. Why didn't we take him? We need him. He's really good. Yeah. I think I, I absolutely understand that level of like commitment, even if it's like, the, the, you know, they get upset about it, but it's like a good upset because they're committed to it and they they have a passion for the team yeah that's the beauty of sports is it's the only business that people actually get emotionally connected to it nobody's going to go and watch whether nike hits their you know quarterly points that they want (laughs) on the stock market they just don't like people will get emotionally invested into it and that's the beauty of sports and we want to you know help guide that in some capacity because there is a lull period in the MLR schedule. You know, this year will be filled by the Rugby World Cup, and I would imagine most teams will do something to, you know, kind of bank on that Rugby um, World Cup kind of do watch party stuff like that. But between right now, if you didn't have that, between July and February, you would have zero rugby for most of these people, and a lot of these fans will just forget about it. You know, it's hard to get them back to that point. And that's what you saw with the league is you start off really low numbers, um, unless you're San Diego opening that new stadium. Um, You start off with these low attendance numbers and you slowly see it build up to the point where, you know, for example, again, Utah and New England are selling out their stadiums in the last couple of weeks. For the, you know, it needs to get to the point where, teams don't have to revamp up everything they just know that fans are there and part of that like a draft is very much a exercise of you know marketing to get fans kind of engaged in the off season um so like i said that's our hope um we're far off that like it is not where the league is at but hopefully one day you know there's people you know booing and cheering and everything uh maybe there's a lottery in the future and you have like what the spurs just had in victor Wambayaya, um in which fans you know 
went out in the streets like they won a championship because they got the first overall pick. Maybe one day that's how the MLR will be. Hopefully. It would be awesome Hopefully, to see. Yeah. That would be awesome. great. Yeah, well, and it's great to see that the the draft will be um, – I think it was on FS2 last year. It's on FS2 again this year, so that's going to be great. Can't wait to see that in August. Yeah, and I've heard of some rumors that it will be a little bit better. Um, I know that 2021 was a, kind of a catastrophe, and the production value in last year was better. Mm-hmm. Uh, my understanding is this year it will be even better, so – um, hopefully that is the case for everybody. Great. Can't wait to see it. Let's say I, I can't wait to be watching it. I'm sure uh, Beckett and I could probably figure out something to uh, throw a little party together for ourselves watching it. Yes. <laughs> but with that, um, we digress. I, I just want to once again, thank you so much for joining us uh, on another episode. And I know it's been a while, but I do want to keep this up. Like we'd love to have you back again and again and again and and hear your thoughts and see what progressions you're making and, and really, you know, help try to provide a voice for you to directly speak to, to some of the fans and listeners about what's going on with the shield, what's going on like across the board with the MLR. So it's again, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Anytime. Um, just reach out to me like you did and I'll, I'll find the time to sit down with you guys. You, you do a really good work and it's people like you that, you know, you're doing this for free. Um, it's just a passion. It's people like you that will help build the future of the MLR. You know, you're not on anybody's payroll, but it is helpful because fans are getting this exposure to it in a much higher level than, um, you know, just waiting for teams to put out stuff. So appreciate you too. Um, and also uh, um, CJ yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah we, uh, or always love doing this. So it's always great when with that talking about uh, what we're doing, we also have our website for our listeners, uh, www.tigerstockprod.com. So if you didn't hear it at the beginning, you're hearing it now. Uh, Beckett has been constantly updating it with blogs every week with different uh, states of rugby, even at a global level. Uh, mm-hmm. Recently you had, what was it? The U uh, U 20s, 20s championship and trophy, and trophy preview into the teams competing, including the S. Um, and there'll probably be, as we get closer to it, um, we'll make posts for our mock, mock draft like we normally do. And we'll probably make a blog where we discuss more in depth into, say, our top five or top 10 picks each. Yeah. So it'll be good. Keep an eye on that. We also have old episodes to listen to on there. And uh, we've got a shop set up with some of our normal sayings on shirts or hats or phone cases with designs, some Clemson rugby stuff, anything you buy Clemson rugby related, half of the profits go to the rugby team and support them. Uh, Cause obviously that's our alum. We want to support them as well. So please go take a look, tigerstalkprod.com. So not too much rugby to talk about this week uh, because rugby championship is off this week, but keep an eye out. There were some good games this past weekend. If you missed it, go watch it. Um, so yeah, go watch some rugby.